This morning we're going to be considering Zacharias' hymn of praise. Zacharias' hymn of praise and we're looking at Luke chapter 1. So turn to Luke chapter 1. We've been going through Luke's Gospel. We've now reached chapter 1, verse 67 in our studies. And what follows, what we're going to consider this morning, has been described as a hymn of thanksgiving to the Lord God of Israel from Zacharias, who was an elderly priest and he was also the father of John the Baptist. Back in Luke chapter 1 verse 20, the angel Gabriel said to Zacharias, look at that, Luke chapter 1 verse 20, Gabriel said to Zacharias, And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. You may recall that Zacharias was struck dumb because he did not believe the message that was given to him by the angel that his wife Elizabeth, who was barren and old like him, would bring forth a son, namely John the Baptist. In verses 57 through to 63, it can be seen that Elizabeth did indeed give birth to a a son, just as the heavenly messenger said she would. And she rejoiced with various neighbours and friends, relatives who heard how God had showed great mercy upon her. We've already looked at that. On the eighth day, when John was circumcised, it was thought by the people that his name would be the same as his father's, Zacharias. But Elizabeth said his name shall be called John. Presumably, Zacharias, who had been told by the angel that the child's name shall be called John, had at some stage communicated that fact to Elizabeth by writing it down, bearing in mind he'd been struck dumb. The people turned to Zacharias when Elizabeth said his name shall be called John. They, they, they couldn't understand that. Why John? Why not call him Zacharias like his father? So they turned to Zacharias and they made signs to him, which according to some of the commentators that suggests that Zacharias was also struck deaf as well as dumb by virtue of the fact that they were making signs at him. I, I don't know about that. We're certainly not told that. Anyway, Zacharias wrote down the name John, thereby confirming what his wife had already said. And indeed, the, 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 book, the child's name was called John. From that point in time onwards, Zacharias was able to speak again, having fulfilled the words of verse 13, thou shalt call his name John. When we think about what happened to Zacharias being struck dumb because of unbelief, and by unbelief, I I, I say unbelief with a small u there, he was a man of God, he was a priest of the Most High God, I know that in itself, doesn't necessarily make someone a man of God, but he clearly was, and we're going to see that more so this morning. But he did have unbelief, as indeed any of us 
who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ can be unbelieving with certain things. And and this was the case with Zacharias, the elderly priest. But thinking about that made me think about Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where the Apostle Paul said, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The things that work together for good are not necessarily in and of themselves nice fuzzy things, are they? In fact, the things that work together for good may well be persecution, tribulation, and in the case of Zacharias, being afflicted with dumbness when he did not believe the heavenly message that his wife would bring forth a son. But all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, to God's purpose. This is a verse for those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the affliction that Zacharias had, his dumbness, an affliction which ended nine months or so after uh, he received that affliction, it ended when he confirmed on a writing tablet that the the boy's name shall become uh, shall be called John. That affliction would have served to strengthen his faith and increase his trust in the promises of God. Can you see? It would have been for his good. When when he was afflicted with dumbness, it wasn't God being terrible and, and nasty and, and vengeful or anything like that towards Zacharias the priest. It would be for his good, ultimately, and for the glory of God. The heart of Zacharias really ought to have been overflowing with praise and thanksgiving when he first heard from the angel that Elizabeth would bring forth a son. That would, ideally, that would have been the time when he first praised God. However, at that time his heart was filled with unbelief, but now we read in verse 64 that he praised God. We're going to be looking at this more closely. He praised God, and in verse 67 that he was filled with the Holy Ghost and that he prophesied. As a man of God, he was, he praised God and he was filled with the Holy Ghost and he prophesied. The words that Zacharias praised God with as he was prompted and inspired by God the Holy Ghost can be seen in chapter 1 verses 68 through to 75. I'll read them for you now. Verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and have raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered 
out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. First of all, by saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, in verse 68, for he have visited and redeemed his people, Zacharias was addressing God by his covenantal name, Jehovah. What he was saying when he said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, essentially, he was saying, Jehovah is blessed. That does not mean that sinful man had somehow conferred blessings upon the infinitely holy and righteous God. That's for sure. As if any of us can confer blessings upon Almighty God. The very thought of it is ridiculous. Rather, it means that God is to be honoured and adored, glorified and praised with hearts that are filled with thanksgiving for his goodness and his mercy. That is something that all people on earth should be doing instead of continually rebelling against God and living as if there were no God. As for Zacharias, he had every reason to bless God. For one thing, God had given him and his wife Elizabeth a son in their old age. However, in his song of praise, he was praising God for something else entirely, for sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When people read this song of praise, they might focus on verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, or maybe verse 74, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. And read those verses without any further thought or consideration for any of the other verses and the conclusion that they or (coughs) you might arrive at is that the Lord God of Israel have sent a deliverer to rescue Israel from their earthly enemies such as the Romans. Israel was under Roman occupation at the time. That is what at least some, if not most, of the Jews were waiting for and that was their expectation that Jesus would deliver them from their earthly enemies. For example, after Jesus fed a multitude of people with five barley loaves and two small fishes, according to John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, People who had seen the miracle that Jesus did said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. It's very likely that those people who saw Jesus performing the miracle, multiplying the food and feeding so many people, what they had in mind is what Moses had said 1,500 years earlier when he spoke to Israel and he said, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. 
the book of Acts confirms that Old Testament prophecy to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's likely that the crowd of Jews that saw Jesus performing that miracle when he fed the multitude thought that he had come to deliver them from Roman occupation as Moses delivered Israel out of bondage to the Egyptians. Consequently, instead of acknowledging Jesus as the king of kings, they wanted him, they wanted to make him an earthly king and conqueror. And as we read, when they tried to make Jesus a king, he, 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 he went from them into a mountain on his own. Also, here in Luke's Gospel, towards the end of the Gospel account, chapter 24, verse 21, there were two disciples on a journey. They were walking with someone and that someone was the risen Jesus. They didn't realise it was Jesus. They hadn't recognised him. And they, as they walked with Jesus, they said, we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. What were they talking about there? Which should have been he that redeemed Israel? Quite possibly, again, they thought it was Jesus who, similar to Moses in the past, would bring them deliverance from their earthly enemies. However, Zacharias was not praising the Lord God for sending a deliverer to rescue or redeem his people, Israel, from all their earthly enemies. You need to remember that Zacharias was filled with God, the Holy Ghost. It's really important to remember that, that he was speaking by the Holy Spirit. Whatever he may have been thinking, it's not for nothing. We're told in verse 67 that he was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. As his wife Elizabeth had spoken divinely inspired and even prophetic words to Mary, when she was filled with God the Holy Ghost, so too was her husband Zacharias now doing so. And it needs to be appreciated that God, whose message we're considering today, as we consider this song of praise, we're considering divinely inspired words. Not just Luke who wrote these words down and recorded them from us, but the words that proceeded from the mouth of Zacharias. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Ghost and he prophesied. So they are divinely inspired words. And God is all-knowing. And with that in mind, we can safely say that God knew that far from the Jews being delivered from the Romans by his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, their capital city would be well and truly destroyed by the Romans in the year 70. God knew that before it happened, just as, just as he knows everything. So, looking at Zechariah's song, where he praised the Lord God, for he have visited and redeemed his people, what is meant by that word redeemed in verse 68? You see it there. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. The Greek word that is translated redeemed in verse 68 is only found in two other verses in the whole of the New Testament. That surprised me. 
One of those verses is Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. And you need to understand the context where we see this verse in Hebrews with the word redeemed in it. This is in the context of Jesus now being seated at the right hand of the throne of God as the great heavenly high priest, having made atonement for sin, having laid down his life as a sacrifice for sin at the cross. That's the context. And in that verse, Hebrews 9, verse 12, it says, Neither by the blood of bulls, sorry, by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. I'll repeat that last bit, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That word redemption, it's the same Greek word as redeemed in Luke chapter 1 verse 68. Exactly the same word. With that understanding of the Greek word that has been translated redeemed in today's passage, and armed with the teaching in the Bible that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, that's something we all know, isn't it? Whether we believe it or not, that is the message of the Bible, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We all know that uh, even if our Bible knowledge isn't brilliant, we know that he didn't come into the world to save people from their early earthly enemies, not back in, the, the, in at that time and not now. Christians now, do you have deliverance from all your earthly enemies? Of course you don't. So we know what's going you, you Perhaps you can already see what's going on here. It's fair to say that Zacharias was praising the Lord God for sending his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to save people from their sins by redeeming their lives from destruction with his own precious blood. That blood spoken of in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. That blood was the ransom price. The redemption he he brought comes with a price, the precious blood of Christ. And verse 69 and 70 remove any doubt that Zacharias was talking about a spiritual deliverance. Look at verse 69 and 70 again. And have raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been given uh, which have been since the world began. In those verses, references made to Old Testament prophecy. One such prophecy would be, but there's plenty of them, by the way, but one of them would be Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, where it is written, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. That's a big giveaway, isn't it? The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts 
will perform this. That prophecy is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the child that is born of the seed of David according to the flesh. And he is the son of God that is given to us to be a saviour from sin. Jesus is the horn of salvation. Verse 69, he, he and have raised up an horn of salvation. Jesus is that horn of salvation where horn denotes power in the Bible. Jesus is all powerful. He is the mighty God. And in Isaiah verse chapter 9, verse 5, that mighty God has power to save us from our sins by his own precious blood. Coming to verse 71, look at 71, verse 71. Zechariah said that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. If you are trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin and consequently you are working out your own salvation with fear and with trembling and Jesus is leading you in paths of righteousness, this is all the fruit of salvation being led by your saviour in the paths of righteousness. This world of which the devil is prince will inevitably hate you it, ought, it does hate you if you are not just if you are living out your Christian profession. The world will hate you, and all that you believe in, and all that you stand for. Putting it another way, if you are Mr. or Miss Popular in this world, something is not right. You really are hiding your light under a bushel, and basically you're being a coward. And you're not living out the Christian profession if you are Mr. or Miss Popular with everybody. As Jesus said to his disciples, and I, I think we, we can legitimately extend it to all of us to varying degrees, this is what Jesus said. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. I don't mind reading verses like that. To be perfectly honest with you, I I, I find it's a great privilege. I don't want to be hated for the wrong reasons, but I don't mind being hated by the world because of, uh, by the grace of God, I'm trusting in Jesus. I like that. And I, I, I thank God for that. I praise God if the world hates me because I belong to Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you now and forevermore. (laughs) Jesus went on to say, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The redeemed of the Lord. You can say a big amen to that. Jesus saying, I have overcome the world. Nothing to fear. Ultimately, the greatest enemy of all is sin. However, the Lord's people have redemption by his precious blood, even the forgiveness of all their sins, past, present and future. As it's written in 1 Peter chapter 18 and 19, 
For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We have redemption in his precious blood. It can be seen in verses 74 and 75 that the redeemed of the Lord God serve him without fear. They serve him in holiness and righteousness before him. When you consider the magnitude of the love of God for his people, for you dear Christian, a love that can be seen at the cross where the incarnate son of God sacrificially shed his blood and laid down his life in order to redeem your life from destruction, no enemy, no enemy anywhere is able to separate you from that love of God. As the Apostle Paul said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. How wonderful that is. And as the uh, the psalmist said, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me? How true that is and how foolish it is for us to fear. I think that would be an example of unbelief in a believer. If you fear men, although you, by the grace of God, you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and you you read these lovely words, who shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, nothing. Why fear man? Fear God, fear God with a holy reverential fear. For God is to be feared in the assembly of the saints. He is to be had in reverence by all who are about him. That reverential fear of God, it will only come from the church, from Christians. You wouldn't expect a pagan out there to fear and reverence God. But if you belong to Jesus, then you, you, when you approach God, you stand on holy ground. Fear him, who you know to be a consuming fire. And it's only by his mercy and his grace that you will never have to experience that eternal fire. Look at verse 75 again. 
in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Again, this is Zacharias speaking as he was led by the Holy Spirit. He was prophesying there, speaking divinely inspired words. Think about that because it's so easy just to read verse 75 and then move on. But in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life, who, who in this world can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of their li- his life or her life is don't tell me Zacharias is talking about uh, national Israel waiting for deliverance from the Romans national Israel who when Jesus came unto his own his own rejected him not they despised him they esteemed him not I don't believe that for one moment, that that's a reference to earthly unbelieving people who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Clearly, this is talking about the saints, talking about those who are redeemed with the blood of Jesus. How do we, how do we serve God in holiness? We do so in Christ, the Holy One of Israel, having been made holy by the sprinkling of his blood, having been purified, cleansed, purged from our sins, having been separated from this world and consecrated to God as a holy and royal priesthood. Christians, that's it. Simple answer. Uh, Again, in holiness and righteousness. Who can serve God in righteousness? Who? Where righteousness means the complete opposite of sinfulness. It's only the person who who serves God, clothed clothed and adorned in the robes of righteousness that come through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. People who are trusting in Jesus as the one who laid down his life for their sins at the cross, having kept the law perfectly on their behalf. They are the righteous. They are the holy ones. And they ought to be the ones who have no fear of man, but who most certainly have a very healthy and reverential fear of God. And they serve God with without fear in holiness and righteousness before him, accepted in his presence in the beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they do so all the days of their life. As David, King David said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life as he served God. As we finish... Look at verses 68 and 69 again. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. A thousand years earlier, King David said, and we read this earlier, Bless the Lord, O my soul, And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Get this bit now. Who redeemeth 
thy life from destruction. Again, this is David speaking to himself, to his own soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Both Zacharias and David from a thousand years earlier were praising God for the redemption that comes through faith in the Son of God who, according to the flesh, was born of the seed of David. Therefore, the message for you this morning is very simple. As always, repent and believe in Jesus as your Saviour from sin, as your Redeemer. Praise him now and forevermore for having redeemed you, redeemed your life from destruction by his own precious blood. Amen.